Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. On today's episode, I just took some time with Kirsten Rapley. We are just so grateful for the opportunity that we've been given to to be in this role, to be the first lady of the state, and really the opportunity it gives me to shine a spotlight on people that are doing incredible things, but also to really highlight what I'm passionate about and then draw in the most amazing opportunities for people to serve and to get better in these spaces. So come along with us. We're going to get proximate with Kirsten Rapley. Welcome to First Lady and Friends. We are back and we have a very special episode today. We have um, the one and only, the friend you all know... Kirsten Rapley. It's so good to have hey, you in studio again. It's been a minute. This is COVID's so fun. <laughs> it, it's a uh, it keeps us moving. It does. It keeps us hopping, but we Happy are to excited to have you here and we are going to discuss sort of like uh initiative updates. We're going to talk book club. We're going to talk about all kinds of things, all the stuff we've been up to, what you've been up to. So much good stuff. Mind-blowingly good stuff. Yeah. Content galore. It's going to be awesome. So let's, uh, Kirsten, what have we been working on low these many months? Oh, my gosh. You know what? We are six months into these roles. You as first lady, me as director of first ladies initiatives, which is a pluralized formal title. And we really only have one initiative. So maybe I need <laughs> to talk to HR. Um, and th- it's been about three months since we launched our initiative and this podcast. So I think things are moving really quick. It's been surprising and cool how many great people we've gotten to know in the community, how much we've gotten to know that we didn't before about these four. It's kind of funny to think about like what we thought we knew about these four focus areas we have versus what we do now. And that's exciting because we're both kind of like the lifelong learner types, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who who love that stuff. Um, And just getting to like sort of own show up as, as an initiative, as a concept, as, as like the thing that sort of rules our lives. It's been awesome. Yeah, it's pretty great. And every time anybody says show up for in any context, we're just we get giddy about it. It's such a pun. We didn't realize at the time when <laughs> it's like, pretty great. Yeah, it's such a pun. It's a good pun. Yeah, really good. It's pun. So good. So we you know, we have our our catchphrase, I guess, if you will, or our motto or our mantra, whatever mm-hmm. we want to call it. But it's you can pretend to care, but you can't pretend to show up. And can I just share that I love it so much. Um, it was it came to us from somebody who we were meeting with, who's a friend who just, you know, it, it just rung so true. But as like a slightly introverted person, it, it means I have to show up to stuff. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I can't I can't we, pretend to care and not actually show up, which means I have to be out a lot. And like, I'm still getting used to that. Well, and post-COVID, um, we're all getting a little used to showing up physically to things. And yes. I think, you know, um, emotionally, again, things we're going to get talked that we're going to talk about a little bit later on with our book club. But emotionally, like it's it's an adjustment 
to really figure out the ways we show up now. And I think it's yes. it's an interesting learning curve now. Really, really interesting. Um, And, you know, my kids are little. I have little, little kids. And it's been really interesting to watch them kind of emotionally develop coming out of the pandemic. My little girl, like, basically spent, you know, most of the first year of her life, she's not quite a year yet, inside the four walls of our house and sort of what that meant for her socially and emotionally. Um, she got very comfortable in a space and now that she's getting out and we're doing stuff, it's really kind of funny. She's actually really, I think a social little creature. She really appreciates it. And I'm the one that's like, wait, you shouldn't like this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think we all have tried to figure out some things emotionally. Um, I have heard that though about people and they're, I've heard them called COVID babies because there's mm-hmm. just yep. it's it's really hard to connect when either you've been at home just with your family or you've been out and everyone is masked. Yeah, you can't see their expressions. Oh yeah, and, and she's constantly pulling down people's masks and yeah. like it's just funny, just yeah. really really funny. Oh, it's so great! It's been a good time. That's it. That's a phenomenal segue, by the way. Talking about our emotional well being, Abby. Do you have something on your mind about I that? Do I do actually? So. um if you know me at all, I am fascinated with any new concept. I love to learn um, from different points of view, but my my most powerful learning tool, I think, besides people and just learning from people, I guess a, a very close second would be books. Yeah. Like, I love books. I do. I have the, the, the Thomas Jefferson quote in my house that says, I can't live without my books. And that's kind of how I feel. I feel like they're my friends. And so this we to that end, we want this podcast to have a book club uh, component to it. And we've teased it, but you didn't know we were serious out there. (laughs) We are very serious. So get your Audible on, get your, (laughs) you know, your your Amazon, whatever it is you do, however it is you read or listen to books. I do both. Um, sometimes the same book I do both. I actually had an argument with your husband about like if you read something on Audible, is it reading? Like, can you say I read this book, or do you have to say like I, like what's the proper you know nomenclature related to listening to books? Yeah, I, think, I, don't, I don't know remember whose opinion was which at the time, but we were split, and it was probably more just so we could like argue. have an argue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we do that quite often. But I would definitely say reading is reading is reading, and so yeah. if you're listening to it, I feel like you're still reading it. For me personally, it's the best way to get get the reading done, and I, I like to read so much, and I I, I yes. I'm kind of a 1.5 speed kind of person. Okay, okay. And that's controversial. Yeah, it is. And I to the point where, like, if it's a real tough book to get through, if there's a lot of technical things, I actually have been known to do 2.0. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and you know what? That I feel like it's I getting like in for, still. Yeah, it's for most just people, quick. that's too much. But you actually probably this is a fun little fact about Utah's first lady that people might not know. And I didn't even really get it about you until we've like been hanging out a lot, a lot, a lot lately. Um, I think you're the biggest bibliophile I know. Like, <laughs> how many books do you think you read slash listen to whatever in like a month? Uh, I would Four, say five? five or six. Oh, see, can you believe yeah. that? That's that's yeah. that's a lot. That's yeah, I don't I, know how you fit get, that in. If I we have similar through, schedules, <laughs> if I get through a book, I almost panic if I don't have something in the queue because I'm like, oh, oh, shoot, mm. I gotta. It's mm-hmm. just if I'm in the car, if I'm, if I'm doing laundry, if I'm cleaning, if I'm 
running, if I'm, you know, exercise, whatever I do, like I, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe I'm ADD. I don't know, but I have to, it just, I've gotten to where I don't care for the silence. I -hmm. I just feel Mm -hmm. like if I can be putting something in my head, if I can be learning something sometimes, and I do have to say this during, during some really stressful times, I don't. I have to pull away from things. Sometimes I get a little overloaded with, with things that I'm thinking about. If it's a really interesting book, it's great. But sometimes I can get really overwhelmed with media, social media, um, negativity. And this is one of my sort of therapy things that I do is um, I just do because I'm usually mostly nonfiction. Yeah. 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 Because um, I really like to learn different things. But I do a Jane Austen book about once every three months. That's just so much more like, Jane Austen than anybody reads. <laughs> to disconnect from, I mean, like right now I'm reading, reading a, a Jane Austen. Um, I usually have what, a book on my bedstand that I read at night and then I always have an audible. So I'm usually reading at least two books at once. Do you feel like you like ever conflate them or like? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think so. You can so. keep them separate. I, yeah, I do. They're usually really different. Like the nighttime reading is always something super boring. So <laughs> like that, helps you. It, it does. You like sleep. I just read it till I fall asleep and That's then, so then I'm done. So. And, you know, and I know we have, we're talking about books for a reason here. Um, but one of the things I really liked about you when I first met you was anytime anybody, anytime anybody recommends a book, whether we're like out in it, like you pull out your phone or your notepad and you write it down. And I can almost guarantee you that like that goes into the queue right away. And people actually like you actually read the books people recommend to you, which I don't think is I think a lot of the time like we just pretend like, oh, yeah, I'm really interested. In <laughs> but you always, actually are. <laughs> I'm always looking for yeah. new books and I have a list Send in suggestions. people. Yes. Oh, I would love suggestions. I have it like on my notes in my phone. I have a book list. And I and I delete them when I've read them. And I have a sister. I mean, I have lots of sisters, but one particular sister and I have sort of this book exchange ideas. And we she yeah. will text me and say, oh, I just I finished this. You have to read it. We have to talk. And then I will text her and say, oh, my gosh, I just finished this one. I my mind is blown. We uh, have to discuss this. Like she and I have this like, books. yeah, it's sort of our cool. book, our uh, the two of us have like a mini book club that we just always talk. But she's one that I'm like, there's certain people that they recommend it. And I'm like, got to read it. You just you just have oh, to. I love that. And certain people, I will put it on my list and I'll get to it probably if I if I get rid of some of the ones above it. But um, I, I lots of times sift. who recommends it to me because mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. it always depends. Because, again, like you have different styles and, and different right. things that interest you and stuff like that. So for you to have chosen the very first inaugural book for your podcast book club, it must be a pretty special one. I'm queuing I, up, queuing you that know, up you. it really is because what happened was I was really looking for information on social and emotional learning, intelligence, social or uh, emotional intelligence, um, and these ideas because it, it's something I was really interested in. It's something that you know we talked about beca- in in some earlier podcasts uh, because you know I'm an educator. It also fits in with what's happening in our world today, mm-hmm. and it fits in with what our kids are experiencing. Um, Look, I I think I well I know I experienced anxiety as a child and I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. 
And I had no idea. I didn't have any skills to deal with it. And it wasn't until I was older. In fact, it wasn't until after I'd had a baby and was experiencing postpartum anxiety. Did I, did I really kind of try to figure out what it was? And like, so I, I think our kids deserve better than that. They deserve to have the skills to address some of their social emotional needs, having mm-hmm. the social or having the emotional intelligence to be able to handle some of the stuff that comes up in their lives, mm-hmm. being able to name it, being able to understand it, being able to have the skills to then get through it. Um, I just think is really important. So as I was doing Thinking about all these things and thinking about how to really dive into this space, I was looking for books, of course, because that's what I do. That's what you do. And I came upon this book. It's called Permission to Feel. And the the subtitle is The Power of Emotional Intelligence to Achieve Well-Being and Success. And the author is Mark Brackett, and he's the director of the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence. Seems right up your alley. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Super cool. So that's the book. There it that is. That is the Should book. we talk timeline on this book club of ours? Yeah, let's do it. So what we're thinking, friends out there, is we want everybody who's interested in, you know, really going on this journey with us down this down this road of permission to feel to start reading the book. Um, we're going to give you about a month and on August 5th, we're going to drop an episode of the podcast where we have a book club, but we want it to be interactive, right? Abby, what, share your vision on this. Yeah, very interactive. I, you know, a book club is usually, you know, the traditional is you, you know, you have a group of friends or whomever, colleagues, you get together and, and you have, you've all read this book. And so then you have a really fun discussion about it. Obviously, you know, a podcast doesn't lend itself to, to a large group discussing it, but what I thought we could do is gather questions, um, talking points or, or things, you know, thoughts, discussion points, whatever you, you know, whatever thoughts you have about this book, please send it in to our, our social media where, you know, we're going to put this out on our, on our Instagram and our Twitter and we would, and, any other way you can get a hold of us like let's yes. let's send in your discussion points send in your the things your thoughts on this book and then we will have this podcast where us and some other friends will discuss this book together and talk about your points and your your ideas and and your thoughts on the book which i think will be so good. really fun so good. and i have to say the book is so good i'm not i'm not completely through it yet i'm toward the very end right now and as a little bit of a teaser for for the friends just because we really want you to jump in we're serious we really want you to read this book with us and and come and talk to us about it um He's amazing. Mark Brackett is one of the people who really set out to get some of the first funding to really ed- like investigate the roots of emotional well-being, emotional intelligence. And he's come up with um, it's a system that he calls his ruler approach. Ruler is an acronym and it, it, it's really practical that sometimes this space feels a little like fuddy-duddy and like, you know, there's not really practical implications in my life for for this. But each of those steps in the ruler approach kind of educates you on, okay, what can I do in my life or what can I do with my kiddos to help us gain that emotional intelligence? So it's it's awesome. I'm really, really loving it. It's helping me understand um, some things about myself that I didn't even realize were there. And I'm loving that. Yeah. And I think, you know, as 
as parents too, I think you really start to, again, you start to understand maybe things you could do better. Um, I, yeah, I started doing this thing cause he talks about this in the book and my kids were just getting real irritated with me, but it was, <laughs> it was funny cause I would just ask them, how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. And wouldn't, wouldn't just get by with it. I'm fine. fine. I'm fine. Whatever mom. But I'm like, no, how are you feeling? And like, and they're like, mom, <laughs> I was like, like a little no, I'm serious. <laughs> we're not leaving this conversation until you kind of help me to understand where you are. And I think putting, so good. putting words to emotions, putting, labeling them. He talks about that's the L part of the ruler is yes. labeling them. But I love this part in the prologue at the very beginning. He says, our emotions are a big part, maybe the biggest part of what makes us human. And yet we go through life trying hard to pretend otherwise. Our true feelings can be messy, inconvenient, confusing, and addictive. And he says, it's no wonder our emotions scare us. They seem so out of control. Oh, it's so true. So I just think that's a little, a little taste of sort of where we're going with this and really having, I think it's really powerful to be able to have the ability to understand. And he talks about his background. Anyway, we'll, we'll get into it in the, in the book, in the book club, but I just, um, suffice it to say that I'm really excited about the opportunity to discuss with our listeners, our friends, um, this, these concepts in this book. And it's, it's, I've learned so much from it. It's, it's awesome. We are showing up for this book and we want you to as well. We're completely serious. We are very serious. So, um, we want to continue this conversation as we get into exactly what we've been doing in each of these focus areas the last few months and kind of where we're going in the future with them, just to give, give our listeners an idea of, of what we've been up to. So we'll be right back. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back here with Kirsten Rapley, the director of First Lady Initiatives. So we are talking about what we've been doing the last several months. And we want to get into each of the focus areas a little bit and just kind of talk about where we're at and, and what we've been doing and kind of where we're going. Um, so our first one is social and emotional learning. Um, really excited. We have been working really hard on something really special for our educators. Kirsten, you want to talk about this? Oh, I think you should be the one to talk about it. Maybe I'll cue it up a little bit. (laughs) You chose social and emotional learning as a focus area because we felt like it was really, really an important um, conversation to have, especially post-pandemic, right? Everybody's kind of coming out of this collective trauma um, and and even experts are calling it that now, right? Everybody's life was up, up ended in some way or another. And so 
the social and emotional learning skills that can be taught in school or elsewhere help our kids to become more resilient. It help them. It helps them to have more awareness of how they're coming across and and more. Um, I mean, I, you could go on and on forever, but conflict resolution skills, all these things, right? And we were having a really hard time, I remember, early on, like deciding, okay, we know we want to be in this space. We know that you're passionate about using your platform as first lady to um, improve the social and emotional lives of Utah's kids, and we didn't know what to do. And then you kind of had this moment of epiphany. So, And I think you should talk about what that was and what we're doing, because it's awesome. Yeah, I was actually on a ski slope. <laughs> really? I didn't even know that. Yeah, I, I You're was, just skiing? I was skiing. And Brilliant I strikes, just, you know? Yes. Um, I was thinking a lot about what what it meant to to in this space. And, and what we could do, we always talk about doing something super meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, no fluff. No fluff. We don't. No we, fluff. We just, there's just no reason for me in my mind to do it if we're not doing something very meaningful that's really going to affect people in positive ways and and really move the needle when it comes to to education and educators and students. And so the idea was that we do a a conference for educators um to really First of all, and again, this came from a lot of meetings that we had with educators. We mm-hmm. said, okay, we want to do this conference. What do you think it should look like? Mm-hmm. What do you need? What What are your, you know, what would be the most beneficial for you? And we were totally wrong, by the way, of what yeah. we thought they would say. Yeah, which was so perfect because, you know, we're, we're ready to learn. Yes. And we don't, you know, I'm not currently an educator. I'm not. You know, I haven't been in this space for a super long time and so really wanted to make sure that we had them in mind and that they drove what this what this conference could look like Mm -hmm. and got great, great feedback. And the feedback really came down to, look, we don't want any more curriculum. We are, you know, up to our eyeballs in our own trauma. And we have had collectively the worst year of our careers. Yes. And we are not in a good place. Basically, they were very vulnerable with us. Which was so cool. We we yeah. didn't expect that. Yeah. I loved I loved their openness and honesty. And and again, I think not something that they're used to. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're used to people saying, What do you need? Right. And um, so it was really powerful. And basically what they told us is, is, you know, we we need our own improve our own emotional intelligence. We need mm-hmm. to have our own um, buckets filled, if you will, of of just you strategies, know, str- right? Like really yeah. practical stuff that can bring them back to Earth. Yeah. <laughs> After yeah. this crazy year of trying to figure everything and, out. And going forward, I mean, and so what we decided was that um, we we were going to focus on our teachers yes, and we were going to make sure that they had the skills they need. And then obviously they're teachers. They're going to teach. Right. And so these teachers skills teach. are going to be in the hands of their, of their students because of what they'll, they'll learn. And so it's, it's going to be really exciting. We have some, we, we've had some little hiccups lately, but we're, we're strategizing and we we're getting through. there and um, we're we're just really excited to have a, a, yeah. a conference where the entire community in a school can come and and really learn these skills so that it can be 
a, a culture throughout their entire district. And mm-hmm. so we're we're thrilled about where we are in this and and moving forward. We so had some good. really cool experiences with people. Um, uh, you know, we talked about meeting with teachers. We also met with superintendents and. Um, Kirsten, do you remember who, who is it that stands out? We, we talked to some real powerhouses who stands out to you. So many of them. Well, we, we brought in students as well. And the fact that the, like collectively they stand, I mean, I I could talk about almost every individual we brought around the table at the governor's mansion to pick their brains about this, but, um, collectively like their, the students understanding of the need for their own educators wellness was really, really cool. And it goes to show that we're like leaps and bounds of ahead of where, like we were when I was in high school related to even understanding the, the importance of understanding emotions and, and, and having, you know, strategies to give us well-being was really, really cool. Really, really cool. And the students even realized like that while everyone else was kind of, you know, flipping around and trying to figure out what to do during the pandemic, that their teachers were not only worried about their own kids and their own family circles and their education, but they were focusing on the students. And I think the students have a sen- had a sense of like, yeah, we're excited about you guys giving back to to our teachers in in this way. And the other thing that I was that stands out is. I don't know if we've talked about this on this podcast before, but as we were going around with this idea of the conference, we we met with like everyone we could who we thought would be any sort of decision maker in the space. And we were just kept expecting to get cold water thrown on us. Like, no, somebody's already doing this or this isn't necessary or here are the roadblocks you're going to run up to. Here are the constraints. And that didn't happen. It was really cool. We got legitimately excited. Like we got people that were legitimately excited about the idea, which was really empowering for us and really so. really cool and it's given us the chance like we've spent the last little while uh, as we're pulling all this together and i i would assume that we'll announce like more specifics and some of that the cool stuff coming up but we've gotten to really figure out what's out there as far as quality content we've had some amazing people come into us and in fact if you're listening and you you know somebody who's amazing in this space like come come tell us about them we want to hear these stories and we want to give educators access to you always say first lady you, you say that like we want to give them access to skills that they can implement in the classroom the next day, right? For, for themselves and for their own well-being. So yep. like, let's do this, right? It's yeah. going to be a big undertaking, but we're kind of an ambitious little cadre of, of <laughs> ladies who are working on it. And it's going to come together great, I think. Yeah, it's great. And there's really some cool people. And, and one other one that I will just m- mention that we had a had a Zoom call with was um, a, a group that Scarlett Lewis, again, mm. she's, she's a mom who lost her son in the Sandy Hook um, tragedy and she took her tragedy and turned it into this positive way of teaching kids social and emotional learning skills instead of, you know, what most of us, I think I would have done is just really disappeared into my Mm -hmm. own grief. She came out and said, I want to actually focus on the person that hurt my child Mm -hmm. and how do we make it so that kids like that do not turn to violence and they yes. have the skills that they need to get through their own mental health issues, their own emotional issues and, and things like that. So really that incredible. Was, it was really, it was really, incredible. really beautiful. Um, so the area of Special Olympics Unified Sports, let's yes. talk about this. We have had some really cool things going on. Um, one of the things that we've, a few of the things that we've done, I guess one of the most meaningful things yeah, probably that highlight? I've ever done 
experienced was our trip to Westlake High School. So cool. And it was this press conference of sorts where yes. we had our kids, our athletes, our, our Special Olympian athletes, uh, unifi- Unified Sports athletes, and their peers. Mm-hmm. Who do the teams with them. Who participate with them on the teams did a press conference where they talked and answered questions about what it is, what they like about it, mm-hmm. um, the experiences they've had. And I guess the most powerful thing to me was those peers whose lives had been completely changed. Oh, yeah. By their athlete friends. That was that was such a like beautiful, bright moment. And I think the lives of everybody who was in the room, because you have like these big, burly guys who probably I mean, they look like they play football and they're really intense like practically breaking down and talking in a room of a like there were I mean with all the students and everyone there were like a hundred people in there maybe more and they're talking about their emotions and they're talking about the lessons that these special needs athletes have taught them and how they've incorporated in their lives and how they're not scared anymore to to become friends with people who are different than them like just remarkable remarkable and it I think it lit a fire under our butts a little bit to be like yeah we're serious about this because we want to expand this program with a special Olympics team in Utah and make it available to so many more people yeah and and our partners at RSL have just awesome and so we have great events coming up with them give a little sneak peek yeah we're we're gonna have a a tournament a big soccer tournament a unified sports event at RSL in October. October. Yeah, more coming on that. We'll make like an official announcement later, but it'll be the biggest unified sports event that's ever happened in the state of Utah. So we are some fun stuff. Super excited about that. In the throes of planning that with our team at Special Olympics. Um, I do want to point out one thing really quickly too on Special Olympics. Tim Schreiber, who is the on the Special Olympics, he's a chair. Oh, I should know the title exactly. Is the current chair? Um, I think so. He got down on like we went to Westlake High School and then to Snow Springs Elementary. And you and Tim went and you did the events with the kids. And I was just like sitting on the side laughing at you guys. You're hilarious, but you're like racing the kids and <laughs> sitting on the floor doing like like talking about emotions with them. And it was it was just a crack up. And you both got in there and like really experienced what you, what you're preaching, you know. And it was just so so fun. It it was such a fun day. We had gone to Westlake. We went to the elementary school and did the PE class, the adaptive PE class, played all the games. I'm a sweaty mess because, you know, I just get into it. I'm a little, just a teeny bit competitive, but I really <laughs> like to be involved. So I, Tim and I were both really in there. That was the day um, First Lady Jill Biden came to town. So yes. I was like getting out, trying to change my clothes as I'm anyway. It was like quite a day. This press conference. It was quite a day, was but, so but just a remarkable experience for so us good. with Tim. And um, one thing to throw in there, if you're listening to this and your kid's school doesn't currently have the Special Olympics Unified Sports Team, but you like what you're hearing and you want to know more, they're really, really interested in expanding and we are trying to help them. So come talk to us and we'll get you in touch with the people. It really doesn't take a whole lot to get this up and going in elementary and high schools. It just takes like that one caring adult who wants to make it happen. Yep, absolutely. And we're going to highlight some of those caring adults and that are doing it really well. Mm-hmm. Um Let's move on. We've done a ton of stuff in our foster care space. Yes. So let's talk about we did. I know we talked about this before. We we put together thank you kits for all of our foster and kinship families in the state. And one really powerful thing to me is as we did that, and it was an incredible experience. It was our launch. Mm-hmm. It was just a really cool day. Um, and then 
we've just over the last several weeks have had just the sweetest notes come oh, in. Oh, thank you notes from all over the state. Everywhere. One was even on a little piece of toilet paper. It was so cute. <laughs> seriously. Seriously. Like somebody just couldn't just, had to write something right then. It was really sweet and then I've I've just they keep coming in and and even I will I will be around foster families and I will have somebody say thank you you have no idea how much that meant mm-hmm. um because we we just didn't know that anybody cared what we were doing. And, and so we're I think working it's... with these partners to continue to create supports like that. I mean, they already exist. It's just kind of creating this synergy around it, right? We, we know that Utah needs 500 new foster families every year to keep up with sort of what the, what the need is. And so we're trying to do what we can to raise awareness and to, you know, get people to really think about and consider if this is something they can bring into their own lives. Yeah. And then, and then one other event that we did, which was, really great was uh, we launched an app of it's called the foster friendly app and it is where businesses can go to they can sign up to give discounts Mm -hmm. to foster families and foster families can go on to the app and contact and and recruit like nominate a business um, to be on there if you have a business in your area and say, hey, we, mm-hmm. we would love to nominate you to, to be able to give discounts to our foster families, which is just really cool. So I think a big highlight here is just our goal of retention um, yes. and, and recruiting and making sure that uh, we're going to find families for those for those waiting children who who are ready to be adopted. We have several events coming up where we're supporting those families. Uh, we have an event coming up at the Ogden Dinosaur Park. Um for foster families um, and and um, caseworkers and their families to come and enjoy a movie with us. Um, that's going to be really fun. We're going to be doing an event with Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A has agreed to do some free meals for foster families and an event with um, Utah Foster Care at Calabunga Bay. So if you're in part of this community or if you want to learn more about it, like come find us, come learn about those events, come join us. We're going to be hanging out at all of those. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be Fantastic. And we just love, love, love our foster families and all the work they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess let's let's end up with our with our service focus area. Uh, we did a few. We've we've done two of our four yearly projects already. Yes. And the other two are in the works. Yes. And they're ready to go. But um, of course, we did our we did a really cool thing. So I have to say there's. In years past, um, the First Lady traditionally has a luncheon during the legislative session for all the legislative spouses. Mm-hmm. And it's great and it's really fun and it's a little it's a, a luncheon at the at the mansion and it's a time for these spouses to get together and really sort of commiserate through this really difficult process. <laughs> because it is. Because <laughs> I've been a legislative spouse and I and I get it and I understand it. And so it's it's been a really fun time with, when they've done it in the past. Obviously, COVID made us rethink the way we did everything. And obviously, I had a chance to sort of put my own stamp on on what that looked like. And it was a very Abby Cox event, <laughs> what you're leading up to here. And so the idea came uh, to to do a service project instead of this luncheon. And what we did was we went to the YWCA um, and we we painted a mural, two murals, in mm-hmm. fact, in different areas in, in the public spaces there. And it just, it was, it was really cool. We had spouses come sort of in shifts. Again, this was, this was like in 
Were we was February? It was, it was before we launched the initiative. Yeah, yeah we were working so on it. I think it was in February. But we knew what, what our goals were, so we were like, yeah. let's just not wait. Let's let's go for it. So we, we did those and had and spouses come and kind of take shifts, so we weren't too many at the, at the time in, in the same places. But um, just a just really, so good. really special event. Yeah. Loved that. And then, of course, we did our our kit building and, mm-hmm. and for the foster families and our launch. So, And we've got two in the works right now for the last two quarters of the year that are going to be really cool. Um, we're going to need support from the community for both of them. So when the time comes, we're going to share more. But we also are serious when we said we want to support service projects that are going on out in the community. So if you have stuff going on, if you're part of organizations, um, p- please let us know, reach out, see where we, we want to show up for you. We we don't take our responsibility in this space lightly. And I think recognition is Im- important. So we're, we're ready to do it. Yeah. So again, get involved in any way you want in any of these spaces. Reach out to us. We'd love to have you involved. We'd love your ideas. So as we wrap up here, again, we want to just make sure you know your action items. Yes. Good. Let's get <laughs> as, on the as list. Our, as our faithful <laughs> listeners. Um, but we really want to make sure that you um, either download the book, get a copy of it, read it, get to the library, however you want to do um, the book, and then come at, come with questions, um, discussion points, do all that. And then, you know, however you want to get involved in any of these initiatives, we would, Mm -hmm. we would absolutely love to have your expertise and again, reach out to us for ideas um, regarding an educator conference. If you, if you know of uh, people in this space that could really um, help us with the conference, we would love that as well. Um, Anything else, Kirsten, what am I missing? Yeah. If you, if you know of service projects out in the community, you want us to partner on or, or acknowledge, we would love to know about that. If you're interested in learning more about foster care, whether being a foster family or um, even in a mentorship role, there's a huge, huge need for people not to, you know, fully commit maybe to being a foster care family, but to being a mentor, we can get you in touch with the right people in our really, really anxious to doing that. And as far as the Unified Sports Program goes, if you are really, and everybody should be, if you see it, you love it, seriously, and your kid's school isn't doing it, um, we can get you in touch with the people who are really anxious to help you expand that. And and it's pretty cheap, and it doesn't take a whole lot of doing, but it makes an immense impact. Um, Carla Bedingfield, who you had on this podcast, episode six, you all should go listen to it. It was our first and really only episode on the initiative to this point, um, said that she sees miracles every single day and they're the exact kind of things that our kids need. So we're really working hard to make make life, you know, a little bit easier for some of these people in these groups and, and shine shine a light where we can and just want everybody to come be part of show up with us. Yep. Show up here with us. It will it is really a powerful movement and we love sharing it with you. So um it's a blessing. That is our show today, and we're we're super excited going forward. So contact us, and and let's let's do a book book club soon. Um, Kirsten, thank yeah. you for being a friend. <gasps> thank you for being a friend, Abby. <laughs> okay. You can find Show Up Utah at Show Up Utah on Twitter and Instagram, and we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for being a friend.